You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. For more information on Dayton Christian Center, you can visit dcctx.church. Now let's join in for this week's message. The title of my message tonight is, What Did You Say? I want to talk about the words that we use and the way that we speak in three different ways. I want to look at how we speak to and around other people. I want to look at how we speak over our own lives and how we speak to our enemy. And firstly, I want, I want to point out why it's important, the words that we use and the way that we speak. Did you know that you're going to be held accountable for every word that you speak? Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 says, But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you'll be condemned. I believe that there's a disconnect. That we think that there's a difference between when we're talking churchy and when we're talking regular to our friends. That there's a difference in church time and regular time. But I I want you to know that every word that we speak is affecting the kingdom of heaven in our relationship with the Father. See, it, it feels like we have breaks in our spirituality, right? Did you know that in the first three quarters of the Bible, Genesis to Malachi in the Hebrew Bible, there's no word for spiritual? There's a word for spirit, but there's no word for spiritual, not in the way that we use it. Those are, the, those are the books of the Bible that Jesus himself taught from. I read an article from Faith Gateway, and they said, uh, they, they presented a question. They said, you know, what, what if somebody asked Jesus, hey, man, how's your spiritual life going? How confusing that would be for him, right? What, what do you mean my spiritual life? You, you mean my life? My whole life is spiritual. But we think that we have this disconnect, that we have our spiritual time, and we have our personal time. But we are body, and we are spirit. That's not something that we can turn on and off when we want to. So I want to look at the spiritual side of how we speak. When we speak, are we building or are we breaking? Are we blessing or are we cursing? Are we speaking from fear or with authority? So the first thing I want to look at is how we're speaking to and around others. So I want to start off in Proverbs. Chapter 11, verse 12 says, Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Skip over to chapter 12 and verse 18. It says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We have a job to do while we're here on this earth. That job is to go out, spread the good news of Jesus, and further the kingdom of heaven, make more disciples. But to do that, we have to be able to build relationships with those around us, those who we want to reach. Relationships are the currency of the kingdom. You've heard us say that here before. But we can't build those relationships if we're not a trustworthy person. If they can't trust that you're going to take what they say and go and tell somebody else and gossip about it, you're not a trustworthy person. You can't build that relationship. If you can't extend kindness to your neighbors, and if you can't speak with wisdom. So how do we speak with wisdom? 
James chapter one, verse 19 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Accept the word that is planted in you, which can save you. So how do you speak from wisdom? It starts with what are you filling yourself with, right? What you fill yourself up with, that's what you're gonna pour out. What you plant inside of you, that's what's gonna grow. An apple tree doesn't produce oranges. So when you have people who have questions for you or they wanna talk about Jesus with you, what are you gonna respond with? What you've read on social media? My wife is gonna punch me for this. I didn't tell I was gonna say this and it's not directed at you. But are you gonna respond with the article you read online from somebody else's experience? It's not directed at you, babe. I love you. Start at the source. Fill yourself with God's word so that when you're questioned, you have a foundation of biblical knowledge to respond with. And you're not just talking to hear yourself speak. We all want to be the one who has the answers, right? But how many times, I should have Googled it, how many times it says be slow to speak, and that applies in so many situations. Don't speak because you want to be heard. So what about, what about those people who don't have questions for you and they don't want to talk about Jesus? Do your words still matter to them? Absolutely. Philippians chapter two, verse three through four says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but to each of you to the interest of others. That verse is saying that everything we do, including the words that we say, don't say for ourselves, but be aware of who's watching and who's listening, right? You might not think that how people view you is your responsibility, right? I can't control how they see me. But that's not exactly true. This verse says that in everything that you do, to keep others in mind. So when you speak, speak with conviction so that when God is ready to speak through you to them, his words aren't diminished by the character that you've allowed them to see. What does David say? I told you I was gonna steal it. He says, our thoughts become our words, our words become our actions, our actions become our habits, and our habits become our character. The words portion of that, what we speak, that's the first place where we can see evidence, right? Nobody can see our thoughts, but they can, they can hear our words. So guard your words. Leland Mooring, he's a, he's a recording artist from Baytown. The last song we played tonight was one of his. He, uh, he writes Christian music and secular music. And I heard him talking one time about the difference between Christian music and secular music and what his thoughts on were that. Because he writes both. And he said, I, I don't see it that way. Not in that regard. Christian music and secular music. Rather, he, the way he sees it is he has holy music and profane music. And I thought that was really interesting that there are secular songs that can still glorify God, right? That still go forth with the 
characteristics of God with love and peace and kindness. And there's Christian music that can miss the mark. And I view my words the same way, right? I don't have to be quoting scripture and talking about the Bible with people to be able to impact their lives. Just using the fruits of the spirits and the characteristics of God, you can impact lives. If you speak with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and with generosity and faithfulness and with self-control. If you speak in that manner, no matter what you're saying, well, maybe not no matter what you're saying, but even if you're not quoting scripture, if you speak in that manner, you will begin to impact people's lives and you'll build that relationship with them and you can point them towards Jesus. The second part I wanna look at is how are we speaking over our own lives? I wanna go back to Proverbs chapter 18 for this. Verse 20 says, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. So are you speaking life or are you speaking death over yourself? Foul speech can be a cancer to your soul. The fruits of your mouth reveal what you're planting in your life. Like I said, if you're, if you're planting an apple tree, you're not going to produce oranges. If you're filling yourself with the word of God, that's what's going to come out of you. I want to go back to Proverbs chapter 30, verse 32. says, if you play the fool and exalt yourself, or if you plan evil, clap your hand over your mouth, for as churning cream produces butter, and as twisting the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife. Whatever's coming out of your mouth, that's what's stirring up inside of you. Do I have any audio engineers here who know what feedback is? And I don't mean your comments on how I did on my sermon after service, but in an audio sense, what feedback is. So these microphones, they're built to receive audio from a particular direction. They're directional mics, and they're built to push out any frequencies coming from directions you don't want them from. So whenever you see a speaker who's all over the place, if I were to walk this microphone, and I'm not, I'm not gonna do it, I'm not gonna bust your eardrums, but if I were to put this mic in front of that speaker, it would start screaming. And what happens is when the monitoring becomes the source, it comes back out of the speaker into the microphone, out of the speaker into the microphone, and it causes a loop and it gets louder and louder until it's screaming. That's what feedback is. And we can do the same thing with the words that we're saying. If we're talking with negativity or anger, we're also hearing those things and it causes a loop. We're saying it and we're hearing it and we're saying it and we're hearing it. That begins to stir inside of us. That's why you have to be slow to speak, slow to anger. It's not just affecting the people around you. It's going to affect you. Proverbs 14, verse three says, a fool's mouth lashes out with pride, but the lips of the wise protect them. Your own lips can protect you by being slow to speak. Galatians chapter six, verse seven through eight says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit 
will reap eternal life. What are you sowing? Are you speaking blessings or are you speaking curses? Because you will reap those. That's what you're sowing. If you spend your time cursing those who you don't like and don't get along with, you might as well be cursing yourself. Rather, if you're praying for those people and you're praying blessings over their life and healing over their life, how much more will you be rewarded? My next question is, how do you respond to opposition and attacks in your life? Do you complain? Do you curse? Do you exclaim fear? Nick preached in the fall. He, he does a whole series on Bible basics. I think he might be doing it again this year. I hope he does. It's an awesome, awesome series he does. But he talks about the power in audibly reading scripture and, and presenting God's promises back to him, fulfilling a circuit. And it, you'll have to go back and listen to it. it, it it's, it's really quite incredible. But there is power in speaking the word of God audibly over your life and reminding God of the promises that he's made you. So speak out loud over your life. Don't just let the negativity be what you're hearing, but begin to proclaim the word of God, the promises of God. God, you go before me. You will never leave me nor forsake me. God, I know that I may have trouble, but you have overcome the world. God, you make firm my footsteps. I may stumble, but I will not fall for you uphold me with your hand. God, I know that you work all things for my good and I know that no weapon formed against me can prosper. Guard your mouth from negativity and curses. Speak life, rejoice in the Lord. Speak with thanksgiving. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Your own words have just as much power to affect you as they do everybody else. The third part I want to talk about is how we speak to the enemy. And first, when I talk about speaking to the enemy, I'm not talking about speaking about him or praying for God to help you with him. I'm talking about looking your enemy in the eye and talking directly to him. So the first thing I want to do is I want to establish that you have authority from God with the name of Jesus and with the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to look in Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 1. It says, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Skipping over to chapter 10, verse 19 says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy that nothing will harm you. John 14, 12 says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. You know that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father on your behalf now. Skip down a couple verses to 15. It says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to, to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. We've been given authority from God. We have Jesus sitting at the right hand of the father for us and they sent Holy Spirit for us. 
There's an incredible scene. Does anybody here watch The Chosen? It's an awesome show. So it takes place um, at the beginning of Jesus's ministry in his adulthood as he's assembling the 12 disciples. And um, there's a scene from season two, uh, episode five called The Spirit. And um, this show, it, it's, it's inspired by the Bible, right? So it, every scene isn't word for word. But this account is actually pretty similar to the account when Jesus casts Legion into the pigs. But this scene, I watched it again yesterday and it, it, it gave me goosebumps. So the disciples that have camp set up out in the wilderness, there's a few of them at camp, Mary Magdalene, uh, Matthew. I love the way they portray, portray Matthew in this show. Um, Jesus and a few of the other disciples are gone. So they're, they're sitting in camp, they're just kind of doing their daily thing, whatever. And a possessed man finds his way into the camp. They hear him coming and they go out and they confront him. Uh, one of them grabs a, a knife, Matthew grabs a wooden spoon. <laughs> um, but man, when I tell you the way that they portrayed this demon possessed man, I mean, I've, I've watched a lot of horror films and it was, it was scary. Okay, and this was before Jesus gave the disciples this great authority. This was before Jesus had left them and sent Holy Spirit. But Jesus wasn't at the camp when, the camp when this demon-possessed man uh, wanders in. And so a few of the disciples go and they, uh, they intervene with him. And Mary Magdalene, uh, in the show, she, she starts off with another name um, before Jesus restores her name to Mary. And so she's asking this man, what's your name? What is your name? And he won't say it, the, the demon inside of him won't let him say it. And he, he calls her by her old name and he starts to, to say things about her that nobody else would know. And I'm talking about these disciples were spooked. And the coolest thing, Jesus and the other disciples, they come, uh, they come wandering back into camp and I mean, they're still about 50 or 60 feet away from where these people are, but Jesus recognizes, he sees what's happening. And like a hero, I mean, it makes the, the, the hair on my arms stand up. Still, still a good ways away from 50 feet away, Jesus just says, leave him! And that's it. The man dropped, the demon left him, and it was done. Two words, leave him. No big charades. He didn't put on his most priestly robes. He didn't, I mean, two words and it was done. And then John the Baptist uh, is standing behind Jesus. It gets real silent. And they're just like, what just happened? And then John the Baptist goes, yeah! Like, like, like his team just scored a touchdown. Really, really cool scene. I would encourage you to go watch the show. But man... Two words and it was done. That's the authority that Jesus left us, right? Um, a, a couple of years ago, I don't know if you remember this, David, a couple of years ago, um, Hannah and I had received a piece of furniture, right? We got in the house and it, man, it just felt off. I don't know, this piece of furniture isn't making us uncomfortable. It felt like this per, this furniture had, it knew a thing or two because it had seen a thing or two, right? Like it came with some baggage. 
And when I say it made us feel uncomfortable, it made us feel so uncomfortable. This piece of furniture, something was on it. I moved it back out of the house. I put it in the shed. I was like, mm, I'm not having that in my house. I don't, I don't know what's up with this. And I called David and I told him what, what we were thinking. I said, man, I got this furniture. It doesn't feel right. I don't know. Should I, should I burn it or what should I do? And I'm glad you're laughing because that, that really set the tone for me. So he kind of laughs. He's like, no, man, you can burn it. What are you talking about? No, just get you some oil, anoint it, and pray over it, and be done with it. Enjoy your furniture. And I was like, I've seen the exorcist. That's not how that goes. Right? That's, that sounds too easy. But his demeanor when responding to me, how easy that was, that encouraged me. Because I, I, I think I like, do we need to get the elders of the church over here? No, man, you got it. This is your house. Your house. Take care of it. Oh, okay. So we did. We, we brought the furniture back into the house, and we anointed it with oil and prayed over it. And then a couple weeks later, we decided it didn't fit in our house anyways. We didn't like it, so we got rid of it. But we never felt uncomfortable about it ever again. It, it was just that easy, right? See, we've turned our enemy into a big, bad boogeyman. And he's just, he's just not, right? Dare I say he's a minor inconvenience at best. He doesn't have any authority over me that I don't give him. What he can steal from me, my God says he'll restore it. And if he does cause me pain and suffering, don't we rejoice in that anyways? So what does he have over me, right? A couple months ago, um, Nora, she's our two-year-old. She was having trouble with her sleep. Both of, both of our girls, Maddie, Maddie went through it as well. And I mean, not just, not just like sleep training a toddler. I'm talking about like their, their sleep was attacked, okay? So... I'm trying to put Nora to bed and man, she is kicking and screaming and she, she's not having it. And I just, I'm so confused because I pray over my girls every night. God, give them sweet dreams, restful sleep. Holy Spirit, dwell in their room, be a comforter for them, right? And it just, it wasn't working. My prayers were not working. See, and this was after I preached my last message, even if he doesn't, and I felt convicted. Because one of the things I taught on last time was that if you're not seeing God move in your life, it's because he already has. And I mean, I was just a few weeks off that night, already forgotten that I can go and I can ask God to do, things for, do these things for me, but he's saying, dude, we gave you authority. Jesus is sitting here. He's telling me like, hey, this is my guy. I got him. Let's go. Holy Spirit is with me. And so she's screaming and crying and screaming and crying. And something in me finally snapped. And I looked my two-year-old in the face. And I said, spirit of fear, I cast you out of my daughter, out of my house, off my property in the name of Jesus. Spirit of anxiety, I cast you out of my daughter, out of this house, off my property in the name of Jesus. Spirit of rebellion, I cast you out of my daughter, out of my house and off my property in the name of Jesus. And I looked at her 
I said, you ready for night-night? She said, night-night. She laid down and she had some of the best sleep she's had for the next month. That's the power we have to confront our enemy face to face and say, you do not have a foothold in my life. But to learn to speak to our enemy in that manner, we have to learn to recognize our enemy. See, she was the one who was kicking and screaming at me. But I knew that my two-year-old was not my enemy. The same way that our, our family members, they're not our enemy. Those friends who hurt us a long time ago, they're not our enemy. Bad relationships, employers who don't treat us right, they're not our enemy. But the thief is our enemy. The thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, to plant fear and anxiety and rebellion, that's our enemy. Ephesians chapter six says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. How do thieves operate? In the shadows, right? They wanna come in without being seen. They wanna take what they're gonna take. And then they move on and they get out before you ever knew what happened. They come in, they plant seeds, but they like to stay hidden. Oftentimes leading you believe that it was somebody else or something else that did this to you. But how do you expose the thief? Once you've recognized him, how do you expose him? Turn the light on, right? Call him out. I see you catching. That's it. And don't let go of whatever he's trying to steal from you. You won't steal my joy today. Not today, Satan. Satan, I see you trying to creep into my life and I recognize that you're my enemy. You will not steal my joy for I find my joy in the strength of the Lord. Satan has no power over you that you don't give him. So what I want you to walk away with tonight is number one, speak with conviction. Hold yourself accountable. We're to be a light in this world and don't let your words be a shadow. Guard your words from speaking death and remember that you reap what you sow. Leave negativity behind and speak the word over your life. Speak life over yourself. And number three, recognize your enemy and rebuke him. It's that easy. It doesn't have to be anything scary about it. It is that easy. Recognize him and rebuke him. Don't let him have a foothold in your life. He's not the boogeyman. Don't be afraid to confront him. You have the authority. And the last thing that I want to tell you tonight is watch your mouth. Father God, we come to you tonight and we just thank you, Father. We thank you for your word that we can instill into ourselves, Father. God, I pray that you help us to guard our lips, Father, to, to make us slow to speak, Father. God, I pray that you would put a boldness in all of us, Father. Remove that fear. Let us know that we are the ones who have authority 
And don't let us believe the lie that our enemy is too scary to confront because he's not. Father God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you chose to tune in with us this week. We hope that today's message left you challenged, encouraged, and inspired. If you enjoyed today's message and would like to hear more, you can find us wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. Thanks again for listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast.